0: Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In the previous
1: program, I was in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, where it says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Now in the previous program I was talking about the liberty that we have been called to and that we have the freedom to live a life of indulging our flesh but we don't live that way because we understand when we come to Christ Jesus because of His forgiveness and His mercy we understand that that is not the way of life and that we need a new way of life. And His forgiveness and mercy sets us free from the burdens of the law so that we can enter into this new way of life and that is a life of serving others with the service that we have received from our God. Now, when you understand that, then if there is some situation where you are looking at yourself or you're considering the topic of serving others, if there's a situation where you see that this is not being manifested in your life, this is not real to you, then the answer is not to sit down and come up with a list of all the things that you're going to do. In order to serve others, that's not what you do. It's simply a recognition, it's an opportunity for you to recognize that you are not being served by your God and that you are not really receiving what he has for you and that that is what I would encourage you to pursue an understanding of, is what you have in Christ Jesus, what he has given to you, what he has already done for you. Now, what I did not mention in the previous program, but I would like to mention now, is that those who have not rested in the liberty that he has called us to through his forgiveness. Those who have not done this have an opportunity. They have an opportunity for their flesh, even though they don't have the liberty that he describes here in verse 13. Now, why would I say that? I am saying that they have an opportunity because They live on this scale between the restraint of the flesh and the indulgence of the flesh. And when a person admits the truth that they are not going to be able to completely restrain their flesh when they come to the point of acknowledging this and understanding this, then they can actually use that as an excuse to indulge their flesh because they can just simply say, well, I'm... I'm not perfect, I'm a work in progress, or I'm a sinner saved by grace, or whatever. People come up with all kinds of phrases that they utilize in order to defend themselves, to say that they still have liberty. And so bondage is important to some people. Bondage under the law is important because it gives them an excuse to indulge their flesh when they admit the truth that they cannot live in obedience to the law completely. Now, again, when he says in the second half of verse 13, but through love serve one another, if you are not serving another or one another, if this is not real in your life, it is not because you don't have the right list of things to do or the right laws in your life. The reason why you are not serving one another is only because you are not being served by your God. The service comes as a natural manifestation of the relationship that we have with him once that is grown, once we mature in Christ Jesus. And so I just wanted to take a few minutes to mention these things. Now in verse 14, he says, for the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, you have to be very careful with this because this can be looked at as a defense. It can be looked at as a way of defending yourself to say, well, listen, I don't live by Moses. I live by this law. And because I live by this law, I love others as myself. So I am fulfilling all of the demands of the law because I'm not violating others. You can look at this as a way of defending yourself from someone who is confronting you about your obedience to God and your repentance from your sins. You can say, well, I don't do it that way. I do it this way. Now, there can be some truth to that. I'm not saying that there isn't. There definitely is some truth to the extent where if you are being served by your God, if you are being loved by your God, then he will do a work within you and transform you in such a way that you will not sin against others, at least not like you used to. I have experienced this personally. And so when you read this, it's very easy to assume that that's what he's talking about. It is true It is true that this is a transaction that is experienced with a believer. However, just because it is true doesn't mean that that is necessarily what he is saying here. I personally look at verse 14 in a different way than what others look at it as. I personally look at it differently. It's my opinion that when he says this, he is saying, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And it's my opinion. This is just my opinion. It's my opinion that he's saying, listen, for all of those of you who do not want to live in liberty, let's just summarize the law and you just go ahead and live by this and see that this won't work out for you either. That's what I personally believe. I don't believe that this is some new law or some new definition I don't think he's saying that as a way for us to defend ourselves. Now, to an unbeliever, someone who does not know the liberty or the love of God that I have been describing, then they would hear this as a defense and as a legitimate one. They would hear it in that sense. But it's my opinion, again, it's my opinion that that is not the intent of the Apostle Paul here, it's just my opinion, though. It's my opinion that he is saying this in order to exaggerate the point even more that those of you who are not living in liberty, you can at least try to live this way. Love your neighbor as yourself. And while you do that, then you can go to verse 15 and you can see, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Because as you try to love your neighbor as yourself, You're going to realize that you can't. You're going to realize that you're going to fail. And when you do, then you can come to the point of going on into verse 16, which is where he says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And that's something different. In other words, I believe that there is a difference between loving your neighbor as yourself and walking in the spirit. I do believe that there is a difference. And I know this might sound a little bit awkward to a lot of people who have been listening to me for a long period of time, because when you read verse 14, you probably know what it means to love others with the love that you have been given by your God. You probably know what that is. And so you make the assumption that through the reduction of sin in your life, through the reduction of sin, that you are fulfilling the law. But you see, the point is, is that even though you experience a reduction of sin, You still have sin. You still are not perfect. You still have not fulfilled all of the law. And so you can't use this as a way of saying that you fulfill all of the law. And that's where I would want to caution you. Now, the reason why a lot of grace teachers say that this is the way of the Christian, that this is the Christian life, that we just live by this, the reason why people say that is because they don't know the law. Because this is in the law. This is the law. The law says in Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18, that is Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He is quoting the law. This is nothing new. You see, when a grace teacher or when some teacher says that we don't live by Moses, we live by this, that's a contradiction. That's a statement of ignorance. That's a statement that says that you are listening to someone who does not know the law of God. That's the point. A person does not know the law of God because that is the law of God. And if you're not careful, you might easily assume this to yourself as your new law, as a law. And it will have the same effect as any other law because you will not love your neighbor as yourself, not to the extent that you would be expected to. And so you will fail, you will then disappoint God, he will be disgusted with you, you will have sinned, he will hold your sins against you because you violate the law, and again you end up in a situation where you are not living in his love and acceptance anymore. And so what I want you to see is this, in Galatians chapter 5 verse 2, he says, Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You can easily stick any law in there to include Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, you are to love your neighbor as yourself. If you put that into verse 2 and 3, this is what it would say, because any law can go in there. This is what it would say. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you love your neighbor as yourself, Christ will profit you nothing. Why? Because you will not fulfill all the law. In verse 3, and I testify again to every man who tries to love their neighbor as themselves that they are a debtor to keep the whole law because the whole law is summarized by that. So I believe, it's my opinion, that verse 14 is addressed to those who are not quite willing to embrace the liberty that he speaks of in verse 13. In verse 13, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For, for in the sense of the alternative, all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So if you don't want to rest in the liberty that he speaks of in verse 13, then go ahead and embrace the law as he explains in verse 14. But again, you will fail and you will experience biting and devouring and you will be consumed by one another in verse 15. So you have to be very careful with this. Unfortunately, there are many people who do not know the law And so they wouldn't recognize it if they saw it, which is why I have to give you the reference there in Leviticus and show you how this can also be applied to the beginning of the chapter. Now, of course, there's nothing inherently wrong with loving your neighbor as yourself. If you are loving someone as yourself, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But there are a few things that need to be addressed here. First of all, what does it mean to love somebody like we love ourselves? I mean, what does that really mean? And is that really what we want to see. Is that really what we want to see? Because from what I can tell, most people love themselves just fine, right? I mean, people love themselves. They don't have a problem loving themselves. They may say things that give the indication that they don't love themselves. They may try to hide the fact that they don't love themselves. But you wait and see what happens when somebody uh, says something that they don't like or what happens when they get depressed because of something that somebody does or something that somebody doesn't do. That is an expression of an individual. These are opportunities for a person to expose themselves and show that they actually do love themselves just fine, that people don't have any problem at all loving themselves. In fact, the scriptures say that we are not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. And I believe that the reason why is because We do think more highly of ourselves than we ought. We don't have a problem loving ourselves. But what I want you to consider is that if it is true, if we make the assumption that people love themselves just fine, and if if that's true, and then we make the assumption that all we need to do is get them to love others as much as they love themselves, then things will work out fine. If we make that assumption, well, things may not work out as well as you may hope or as well as you might expect. This is why. Do you know anybody in your life who is apparently uh, self-destructive in some way or partially suicidal in some way? In other words, do you know anybody who makes decisions that are really destructive to themselves? They make really bad decisions. You know, they bury themselves under debt or they establish relationships with people that they shouldn't establish relationships with or they don't take care of themselves very well, they eat things that are really bad for them, they don't exercise, they don't do things that will keep themselves in good, healthy conditions. I mean, there are many ways that we can measure the idea that a person is self-destructive. And so if we were to examine the people around us in that way, and we were to just simply identify a few people who we believe live self-destructive lives, would you really want them to love you in the way that they love themselves? I mean, would you want them to feed you the food that they eat? Would you want them to direct you to live the lifestyle that they live? Would you want to have the relationships with people that they have relationships with? Would you want to make decisions in your life that are similar to the decisions that they are making in their life? Chances are, you probably would not want that for yourself. For some people. So if they are going to love you as they love themselves, you may not want them to love you in that way. Because that may be a self-destructive type of experience. You know, there are many ways that people live that are just plain irresponsible, completely irresponsible. They live in a way that requires other people to suffer for the decisions that they make, to bail them out in some way. They require others to work in some way in order to pay their bills or in order to pay for their consumption, to pay for their lifestyle. There are people who live this way and there are people who accommodate that. I personally believe that many people live in such a way that they are so irresponsible that the people who are around them suffer as a result of that in some pretty serious ways. And I personally do not think that that is an expression of love in the sense that they love themselves so much that they would want to love others in that way, that they would want others to live that way, or they would want to further impose other things on them. What I'm saying is, is that for someone to love someone else as they love themselves can be as destructive as they are to themselves, now, of course, there are many different ways that people are self-destructive. I mean, you can look all over the world and you can see that the vast majority of the people around you are self-destructive in some way. But that's my point, is that loving others as we love ourselves is not necessarily the best way of life, is not necessarily the best solution model. So when you look at it from that point of view, I want you to see that even if someone does love others as they love themselves, it can still lead to sin. It doesn't necessarily mean that it leads to a condition where there is no sin. It can easily increase sin. It can easily amplify sin. Now, I'm not saying that there's something wrong with the law. There certainly isn't anything wrong with the law. This is a way of saying, again, that there's something wrong with us. That the way that we love ourselves is the nature of the problem. And so to get someone to love others as they love themselves may very well cause an increase in sin, not a reduction in sin. There may be an increase in violations against the law, not a decrease. You have to be very careful with the words that are used here, how they are used and how the law is used and how the law is embraced. Now, the reason why I've spent so much time talking about this is to tell you that there is a big difference between loving others as we love ourselves and loving others as God loves us. That's the point. After saying all of that, I want you to consider this. And that is that there is a serious difference, a major difference between loving others as we love ourselves and loving others as God loves us. That's the issue. And that's the difference between verse 14 and verse 16. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 14, he said, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then in verse 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He is not saying that walking in the Spirit is the same as loving your neighbor as yourself. Oh, no. He's saying that walking in the Spirit is something different than loving your neighbor as yourself. I believe that walking in the Spirit has to do with being loved by your God and loving your neighbor as your God loves you. Not as you love yourself, but as your God loves you. That, to me, is a very important distinction that has to be recognized If it's not recognized, you're going to end up back in the law, because again, this is the law, and you're going to end up back in the same situation that you would have been in if you were in bondage to the Old Covenant, because you'll become in bondage to the Old Covenant. Walking in the Spirit is something distinctive. It's something different. It, again, has nothing to do with the law. It is not the summary of the law. It is not just simply doing something so that you may live in fulfillment of the law. It has nothing to do with that at all. So again, please consider the differences between loving others as you love yourself and loving others as God loves you. There is a serious, significant difference. Again, if you love others as you love yourself, you don't need God. You don't need Jesus. You don't need any belief in the living God at all. You don't need to acknowledge His existence to love your neighbor as yourself. But to walk by the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, that's something different. You have to know the Spirit. You have to have the Spirit. You have to live a life of dependency, a life of trust in the Spirit. You must know the love that your God has for you, not the love that you have for yourself. You must know the love that your God has for you. That is the love that you need. We are to love others with the love that he gives us. We are not to love others with the love that we supposedly have within and of ourselves. That is a very, very serious distinction. So again, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, he says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Why do you not do the things that you wish When you are walking in the flesh, why is it that you do not do the things that you wish? Well, you know, in one way, when you are walking in the flesh, you do anything that you wish. You do everything that you want. He's talking about you don't do what you want in the core of your being, in the core of your spirit, in the core of your resurrected new creation existence. You are not doing the things that you wish. According to the law, you would love others as you love yourself. You would do to others as you wish. You would live as you wish. But in the Spirit, through the new creation in Christ Jesus that you have now become, there will be a distinction. Again, walking in the Spirit then means what? It means walking It means living. It means going in your daily life in a completely different way. Now, how could this be described? Well, there are many ways that this can be described. One of my favorite ways of describing this is to talk about just waking up in the morning. I mean, you just wake up in the morning and how are you going to start your day? You're going to get up and you're going to begin your day. You're going to make decisions about what you are going to do and what you are not going to do. And how are these decisions going to be made? Well, I remember what it was like to be lost. I remember what that was like. I remember that I would begin every day engaging the world with a specific attitude. And that was that I'm going to go and walk in this world. I'm going to walk in my life today, trying to obtain as much as I can out of this world that I have in front of me. That is walking in the flesh. And I know what it is to walk in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit for me is very different. I get up and I begin my day. And I start my day with a completely different attitude. My attitude is I am going to engage this world. Not for the purpose of trying to get whatever I can out of this world. No. I am going to engage this world trying to give everything that I have in Christ Jesus to this world. That is how I'm going to engage this world. I'm going to walk in the Spirit in the sense that I'm going to walk in this life, giving everything that the Holy Spirit has given to me, making my decisions on the basis of what he has done for me, on the basis of what he has already given to me. And when I engage the world on this basis, I know there is... A substantial difference. Now, I will be honest with you. I will tell you, on occasion, I find myself distracted. I find myself engaging the world with some expectation that I'm going to get something out of it. That I start to make decisions on the basis of what I'm going to be able to receive as compensation or benefit. I I do struggle with those things. And I expect I probably will until I'm dead. But I also know what it means to walk in the Spirit. And that's something that I certainly... Do enjoy and I pray will be more real in my life as I continue to live. Because I know the difference and I know the reality of walking in the flesh and walking in the spirit and because of that the appeal is so much greater. So much greater beyond what it could possibly be for someone who is just getting started in it and a person who has never experienced it, has never encountered it, could not possibly know what I'm talking about. But in verse 16 and 17, This is what he says. Now, how are you going to know that you are walking in the spirit and not walking in the flesh? How are you going to be able to determine that this is real in your life? I believe that verse 18 gives you that information. In Galatians chapter five, verse 18, he says, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. You are not under the law. So if you are under the law, you are not led by the Spirit. That's how you will know. And I will continue with this in the next broadcast.